Welcome back to another episode of The Flex Coach. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com flex and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com flex. Could be a little bit more difficult for someone else to describe exactly what you do. So if sure, you sure. mind doing a quick intro for the people that maybe may not know who you are. And what um, you my name is Maurice Philogene. I live in the Washington, D.C. area, born in New York, raised in Boston, ended down in this area from going to the University of Virginia. And then I just kind of stuck uh, since I graduated years ago. Um, from an introductory perspective, I come from an immigrant family. My family's from Haiti, from, from the island of Haiti um, in the Caribbean. Uh, so natively, I'm a French speaker and a Haitian speaker. Um, professionally, I have multiple, multiple hats that I wear. Um, primarily now, I'm an entrepreneur, real estate investor for the most part. But uh, for the past 20, almost 20, I'm entering my 24th year as an executive at a global consulting firm called Accenture. I've been there since I graduated from college. Um, very grateful for them. They've been kind of like my base for a very long time. Um, I was also a, uh, an officer in the United States Air Force, where I served as a special agent, effectively, but I was in law enforcement for 22 years and retired in October of 2019. Um, I'm also a street cop in DC. Um, with everything going on, that's a bit of a challenge at the moment, but I love to do it because it's a way to give back to local community. I'm a restaurant owner in the area. And then on the real estate side, like I talk, like I just happened to mention, I buy uh, with my partners, I buy uh, apartment complexes and mobile home communities for the benefit of my investors. So I know there's a lot in there, but there's, there's reasons why I've done all those things in parallel. Um, but that's effectively who I am and what I do. Amazing. Before we dive into specific different things that you do, if you have somewhat of um if you could talk about, you know, the reasoning behind venturing out into different categories as opposed to yeah. the normal sort of traditional route that many people take, which is diving down in one category and, and pursuing that until they, you know, happen to retire and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so let me give context to whoever's listening to, to your audience. So I'm in my mid 40s now. OK, I graduated from University of Virginia in 1997. I always had this streak in me as an immigrant kid of education was important, but for some reason, when I graduated from UVA at 21, I just had this notion that I did not want to sit behind a desk my entire life. It, it, it does not mean that I don't value, you know, working in corporate America or think it's a good thing. That's, that's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is I didn't want to follow the path that everyone told me I was supposed to do, right? So mm -hmm. I, I get into it a lot with friends where I say, you know, we're told to go to First grade, second grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, high school, college, graduate, get the job, get the wife, get the, you know, the wife or the husband, the two and a half kids, the dog, the white picket fence, debt, car payments, and then literally just press repeat on this cycle until you're 65 and you're lucky enough to retire. I never wanted any of that. What I wanted was, um, and it was a result of me starting to travel when I was 15, but what I wanted was freedom of time, freedom to experience the world. Uh, enough money in my pocket that I could do things. And then uh, what I'm able to articulate today, which is freedom of relationships with people from all over, 
because even meeting someone like you and listening to your past podcast interviews and research for catching up with you today, I'm like, yup, I love people who think like this. So I wanted that. Um, and when I was 21, I kind of found this niche of if I could generate passive income, like through real estate, then I could replace my salary at work. Then I could have freedom of choice to go do whatever career I wanted or multiple careers or whatever it was. So um, I just found a way to do parallel things the entire time while using this, those salaries to create passive income such that in the future, I would be free to do whatever it was that I wanted to do. That's absolutely amazing. And I can definitely relate to that way of thinking. Um, it's fascinating how, you know, although that way of thinking may have come natural at that age, it's still a little bit ahead of its time in mm -hmm. terms of, um, uh, in terms of the saturation that we see now where everyone wants that, everybody wants to have freedom. And I think innately human beings do desire freedom, but a lot of people don't have maybe the courage or, or the drive to do certain things and, do, you know, not do certain things that take away from um, their ability to have that freedom. But can you recall the instance that sort of started this journey for you? early on like when did you when did you see yourself embarking on this journey and what was the sort of first transition like uh i dude i didn't know i don't think people like especially when you're in your early 20s you don't think about a journey you're just like just trying to figure out life if you will but there were two retrospectively you know looking back yeah retrospectively there were two things um i understand the question uh, and i didn't mean to cut you off there are two things that happened one my dad and my mother did something phenomenal when I was 15 in that, well, 14, in that they brought an exchange student to my house from Paris to stay with us in Boston. And he stayed for about a month. The next summer when I was 15, here I am, inner city street kid from Boston who was pulled out of the city to live in the suburbs because I was starting to get in trouble. They sent me to Paris to stay with his family for a month, which looking back on it, like what an opportunity for someone like me. And what ended up happening is three days into that particular trip, his father told me and him to get in his, I love saying this story, his 1983 stick shift Range Rover. And he proceeded to drive us around the country for 30 days. Unreal, unreal as a 15 year old who thought the world was about Adidas sneakers and rap videos and at the time, VHS tapes and LL Cool J and just, you know, all those things. And there are different, different uh, levels of those nowadays, right? But that's what it was like for me as a kid. Mm -hmm. I experienced everything. Funerals, wet French funerals, French weddings, French Boy Scouts, castles, drinking wine, smoking weed, uh, new, new relationships, new cultures. And it just proved to me that the world had a lot more to offer than Boston or wherever I was going. That was the first thing. The second thing was by accident, when I bought a place to live when I was 22 years old out of, out of university, uh, I had just come off of trying out, I played college football at University of Virginia. Didn't do so well there, but I played. But I had the notion that I wanted to get to the NFL because that's just what I was told to do, right? So I tried out for the NFL, that didn't work. I bought a place to live. And then it was at the beginning of a boom cycle of real estate back in the 2000s. And when I bought it, like three or four months later, the place next door sold, same floor plan, it was a condo, for 30 grand more. 
And with the help of my dad, I figured out that I had made 30 grand in equity. Now here, here's the kicker. I was motivated enough to think, holy shit, I made 30 grand and that's someone's salary. So there was no Google uh, or Google was just coming around or Yahoo was just coming around. So I went to the library and then one day I read nine or 10 books in one sitting because I was stunned that I had made someone's salary. And I read like uh, just all those real estate books in one day. And then by the end of the year, I had bought 10 more. And I figured out that I could have some level of control over what I was doing and create my own salary. I just didn't know how long it was going to take. I just knew that I could use real estate to do it because something happened. So it was those two things. It was learning that the world was a lot bigger than where I was and figuring out that I could generate my own money to do things. Absolutely. And I think um, a current version of that very thing is uh, within the world of investing, especially because of Robinhood and and Thinkorswim or whatever people use when they when they make money and they make more money than maybe, you know, their job pays them in a month within a day, it really alters your perception of reality. And it really um, makes you realize that, especially in this day and age, you can have the exact life that you want and you can operate from, uh, you know, you can live it uh, from your terms or or through your terms. And um, I think it's really interesting. I'm curious to hear your perspective on, sort of the, uh, the modern version of this and, and how you have been able to capitalize off of this. The modern version, give me the, like the modern version of? Of just having the ability to essentially buy your freedom or ah. get free. Well, I think, listen, where, where you guys are in your generation, because I think you're one generation behind me or my, my, my oldest generation, my, my oldest son is 20, or just about 21. Um, there's no excuse now. Like you guys have the internet, we didn't, right? Well, I had to go to the library and figure stuff out and then talk to a lot of people. There's so many ways to generate revenue using the internet or using networking or using network marketing or I don't know, reselling on Amazon or eBay or like there's just so much available to you now. I think the in today's times, the, the same problem exists as did in my time which was the problem is we make money and then we go spend it on crap, right? Uh, And for me, all that stuff was cars and homes because you would have a monthly payment and then you had to go to work to make sure you had enough money to pay that monthly payment and it created this cycle. I was smart enough not to get into that cycle. I had my moments, but in general, I've never gotten into that cycle and I took all the funds that I had and just reinvested everything. But what is available to everybody now is to create their own life, which is what I am. I'm more of a lifestyle designist. Like I help people create what it is that they feel like they want to do on a day-to-day, on a day-to-day basis. Um, here's the key for me. People think, they need, people think they want to live the life of a millionaire and billionaire. I don't think that's the case. I think they want to live the life they think a millionaire and billionaire lives. The way you do that is you create passive income or income that's coming in without you having to be at an office. You keep your expenses down, not, not minimal because you, there's no right. reason to live in scarcity, mm-hmm. but you keep your expenses at, at a good level and then you go out and live extremely well. But for some reason, people think they got to have five, six, seven, eight million dollars coming in a month to live extremely well. And that's just not the reality of things. I definitely agree. I think in that regard, 
the perception of you know what's considered to be successful is also a little distorted um, yeah although i have seen um you know instances where people kind of figure it out early and they realize that even if they can make let's say 80,000 from something that they absolutely love doing versus, mm -hmm. you know, more money doing something they don't like. I mean, it's kind of an obvious, you know, answer to what most humans would prefer doing, but we still see a lot of people not taking that leap. They don't do it. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's kind of what I wanted to get to is, um, you know, you said you maintain the, the job at Accenture as kind of your base, but still you you ventured out and started doing other things and you you um took those leaps to yeah. see where they would take you what was the thinking behind that besides the attainment of freedom aspect? yeah i mean i'm i'm well i think you said two things there so what was the 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 premise on keeping the base and then why did i go out and do other things i never where had did a that problem. desire come from man i <clears throat> well Military paid for school, so I had to be in the military. So um, when I graduated, I chose going guard and reserve as opposed to being active duty because uh, what was then called Anderson Consulting or the firm that I work for now, the salary I was getting was like forty-five grand, and then making the entry salary in the military at the time was twenty-five grand. That I mean, that was a very easy decision. So I became a federal agent along the way. But here's here's the here's the um, here's why I pushed and kept being in the military for so long because it was giving me experiences. And this goes back to that original trip when I was 15 years old, dude, I was running field offices for my agency in Turkey, Africa, Germany, Luxembourg, uh, DC. I ran our Vegas field office. I was getting all these experiences that you could not put a dollar figure to. There's no way. Um, in a lot of ways, I was doing it at the expense of my upward mobility in corporate because I would volunteer a lot, and I was good with I was good with that. Um, on the my bad on the corporate side, like why stay there? It was always good, and the clients that I have even today, my client uh, deal it, my client is related to agriculture and farming, and I like being impactful in that community. I was never worried about becoming a partner or the CEO or anything of that nature. Didn't need it. That's what everybody else was telling you to do. For some reason, we get into these work environments and we're taught because, you know, we go to high school and we compete with everyone for the AP classes and who's going to be the valedictorian, who's going to be the MVP. Well, the same thing translate into the corporate world where everyone wants to be the CEO or the director or whatever, and you're competing. I took positions that I knew would hold me back but they were giving me experiences that would last a lifetime. So instead of staying in DC where I could stay, I took an international assignment where I started work. I worked over seven years supporting teams in like seven or eight countries. I have contacts in those countries because of those experiences. So I valued the experiences over the money. Um, that's why I kind of kept all these different things. And then the police stuff came in a little bit later in 2008 where just like you said, or uh, like, why would you do that? I wanted a way to give back to my local community in a meaningful way. And I was just good at law enforcement because of what I was doing in the military. So I found a way to do them all together. And yeah, I could have uh, left something or whatever, but you know, I was just 
bullish, man. I'm like, I'm going to define my own life. I'm going to live it the way that I want. I'm going to do all these jobs. And then I'm going to take, the best part was like taking all that hard earned money, even though I was doing it to be impactful, but whatever check I got and then investing in a real estate where I self-educated myself and then set myself up for the future where I'm in total control of everything. You know what I mean? So uh, I don't believe that we have to have just one thing. In fact, I think it's a risk because I had so many different things going on and was able to manage it all. It just made my life that much more fulfilling and enriching. I definitely agree. And I think um, that's where a lot of people in this modern context are moving towards as we see the disruption in, in the normal route in terms of schooling, yeah. in terms of yeah. um, you know how many successful people in, in positions that they put themselves in are essentially um, they're sort of, I'm forgetting the word, but they're essentially um, stripping away the notions that come with the normal route and the safety yeah. and security. And, you know, it's, it's really inspiring a lot of kids to become conglomerates as opposed to narrow down in one field that they maybe, you know, play a minor part in and, and just be kind of a pawn in the puzzle or a pawn in the sort of a larger picture. But um, I did want to talk about the relationship aspect because you mentioned you made a lot of connections, you met a lot of people along the way. Yeah. You know, what are some elements that are required or essential in maintaining genuine relationships with people? Maintenance. I do a lot of relationship maintenance worldwide. Um, last week I was in Lebanon. Um, actually, I've been there several times this year already, even during the pandemic, but obviously safely. Um, but I have friends whether it's stateside or in Canada, where my family is, I have family in Western Canada now. You, you have to spend time with people, whether it's like virtually, but I just go back. Like I, I get on a plane and I'll go somewhere for a weekend just to spend time with amazing people because they are worth it. They are totally worth it. Um, people in your life are for a reason or, or they're, they're for a reason or a season. You, you just don't know. But the people who are impactful to you or supporting your goals or you're supporting theirs, they're worth investing in. So here, here's, here's the thing, man. So like when I travel, I've been to almost a hundred countries now. And when I say a hundred, I don't mean like, Hey, Mo just dropped in this country for two days and he's out. My definition is spending at least two weeks of meaningful time connecting with people, either through work, just visiting or volunteering. Um, my, my definition of success is if I come back, is someone going to pick me up at the airport? Uh, is someone going to invite me to their home for a cup of coffee or a drink or to meet the rest of their crew or something like that? Those relationships open up new experiences for you. Um, I have relationships with folks in Cyprus, for example, right now. Um, it was just a weird way that I, that I met them, but I adore them now. And me and, me and, um, my buddy now are working on real estate uh, aspirations on the island of Cyprus. I can't do that without him. He's from right. there. He, he mm -hmm. has all the connections, right? I'm not, I'm not friends with him because he is a real estate guy, but it just so happens he was a real estate guy and I provided value to him. He provided value to me. We realized we're like-minded. So now we're like hooked up as a team. I love that stuff, man, because if we are contracting as people, then we're dying. Like if you're not expanding, you're contracting, you know what I mean? And relations, relationships are the way that people can um, expand as people, not just doing business. Like 
this whole thing that we're doing and from a life perspective, in my opinion, is all about people, all about connecting. And it is people that help you connect. You can't, no one can do everything totally on their own. It just doesn't, it may work for a small amount of time, but it doesn't work. infinitely. No, I definitely agree. Um, I did want to ask, what is it about your personality or your, or your nature or, you know, maybe some actions that you take that allows you to help such, or that allows you to have such relationships with people on a level where, you know, they're more genuine and less about transactions. They're never about transactions. That's the thing. Like I don't go out to meet people because I want something from them. I go out to meet people because I'm learning from them. And bro, listen, when you and I were in first grade, second grade, high school, college, we were always learning. Like every day we went to school, something was brand new. Sports, a new person, you get to the new grade, it's a new teacher. And like, it was good. Mm-hmm. And then we get out into this professional world and everything just starts pressing repeat. It's the yeah. worst. I can't it's stand it. It, it. It's totally the worst. Um, but when you get into the business world or when you travel, especially as much as I do, the, the reason I love it so much is you are being immersed in culture and your brain has to fire a different way, right? So if I land in Morocco, for example, I'm a French speaker, but if I land in Morocco, everything is different than what it is in the United States. Nothing wrong with me going to Florida, but the socioeconomic issues in Florida are the same as they are in DC. I'm not really gonna learn anything brand new. But when I go to another place, I really you really have to be humble and have empathy and try and take a step back and understand what people are going through and get to know them and those types of things. I think in answer to your question, the reason I'm able to connect with so many people is because I have empathy and I, I'm willing and I want to learn about everything that people are going through. And I seek it out. And then once I do connect with people, I reinvest in them. I, like I will go back. I think I went to Turkey, for example, for the first time in 2015 when I ran one of those field offices that I told you about. Mm-hmm. between 2015 and 2019 I was in Turkey 30 times that was just my choice to reinvest my time in that area that gave me so much as a person so now I have lifelong friends there I mean I haven't been there now in two years but I have people that I talk to constantly on social and everything um, so yeah I think it's my willingness to want to learn about the world and not like Hey, I know everything. I know what I know, but I don't know squat in relation to the magnitude of what's going on around the world. 